Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So we're passing a milestone here, uh, actually two milestones. This is episode 80, if you can believe it, since we started. It is crazy. And crazier is that um, somewhere in February, we we passed our four-year anniversary for the Doctor and Dad podcast. (laughs) That is crazy. It does not seem, well, it just, when I think back, to knowing that we started this before the pandemic yeah. and the pandemic always feels like it's just been a year. <laughs> it's been <laughs> three. So yeah, that's wild. Yes. I, I wish we were, we were, uh, had a better topic than, than the one we're going to be talking about today, because <laughs> this one's a very, very rather sad topic for, for me. I, I guess I can't fool myself any longer. Uh, <laughs> it's becoming clear that there are no health benefits to drinking alcohol. Right. You know, um, where, where, you know, the, the downsides of alcohol consumption, liver damage, impaired activities such as driving, the risk of addiction, all the excess calories uh, that are in that, that alcohol, uh, mm-hmm. the nasty hangovers that, that I can be prone to, and definitely um, the hit you take on your sweet quality of sleep. Though we, we all know about those. But we also, for a while, um, thought that people who drank a moderate amount lived longer than people who drank nothing. And so we, me, could rationalize, you know, having that drink as, as a net benefit, as long as it was moderate. So, mm-hmm. and, and the definition of moderate was no more than two one. drinks per day for men and one for women, yeah. I think. Yeah, which is... That in and of itself was like, you know, how many people would raise their hand and say that was their alcohol use? I feel like if you don't, you either don't drink, at least my, especially with my um, experience with um, interviewing like patients and asking about their alcohol consumption. It's there's a lot of people out there who just don't drink at all, a lot. Really? Maybe like once or (laughs) twice. You know, like that's it. And then the people who do drink, very rarely is it like one single drink a day most days or like a couple days a week because you can't like you can't say oh well I only drink like twice a week but like three or four drinks on those days um because they kind of think like okay well seven pretty much that's what I drink um if we're talking about a woman um because you can't like bank your drinks it really is in a 24-hour span that's how much is recommended so that's just it's like almost nobody who does drink alcohol you know, does it at, at one, let's say you're a woman, one drink per day, every day. Something. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's either, it's, it's either you're two, you're, three, four on a Friday or Saturday and then none during the week. Right. Kind of right. Um, so, so, you know, when, when, so we, we got to ask the question, how did those studies go wrong? You know, and, and it, first of all, they're not the first scientific studies um and these were epidemiological studies so observational studies um not the first ones to have drawn incorrect conclusions this this happens all the time that's the that is the you know achilles heel of these observational studies is you you the the you know you you want to quickly infer causality right from from these correlations and you do that at at your own risk, you can't. Yeah, um, um, and that's so, what the media will do because you'll see headlines. 
yeah. it's it's you know irresponsible honestly and not always that not always on purpose because if you don't really know how exactly to interpret stuff you can grab these like attention seeking clickbaity headlines from stuff like you know from articles and then that's what the you know layperson holds on to well i read this one thing on yahoo or you know whatever so yeah no exactly and and you know um uh, I, I think uh, a lot of people confuse correlation with causation um easily and other terms are used oh this is associated with that so what does associated mean you know is that correlation or causation and and what have you so in this particular case um the the mistake that the researchers made way way back this goes back to the 80s i think when when these studies really were were coming out is that um these moderate um alcohol drinkers had other healthy lifestyle behaviors if you can if you are actually a moderate drinker then you're pretty under control as you said there's not you know there's not yep. a ton of people that can limit it to to two drinks per day and no more than that but still be a drinker so to speak right right um, and then on the other side of the equation the people who drank nothing a fair amount of them were drinking nothing because they were ill um because they all the the study was looking at is okay uh, of this group of people that are dying how many are drinking nothing how many are drinking moderately how many are drinking heavily that right. the heavy drinking folks were the most at risk yeah but the the folks who didn't drink at all were at more risk apparently than the people who drank moderately right is is, is where they were going but again confounding variables leads to faulty <laughs> faulty right. conclusions so. so then you feel comfortable for the next 30 years with alcohol exactly exactly so before we get into and and really what what has is the final nail in the coffin for that um for that uh, you know those those previous studies that that had indicated there may be some benefit is a is a new um meta-analysis so that we'll talk about it in a moment but before we get into that i think a little bit of kind of bioscience would be helpful for the listeners um so it, can you can you take us through what happens in our bodies to the alcohol we consume most people know that like when you talk about alcohol it affects your liver um because people understand that like alcohol abuse can lead to liver damage um stuff in our body gets um gets processed through and detoxified through either the liver or the kidneys. So those are the two places where certain things are metabolized. Um, and like, for example, Tylenol, um, if you ingest um, too much Tylenol, it's it's metabolized by the liver so you can have liver problems. People often confuse it because NSAIDs like Advil and Motrin are metabolized through and, and processed through the kidney. So it can cause kidney problems. Um, but like Tylenol is never going to cause kidney problems and ibuprofen is never going to cause liver problems because it's not really how they're processed. Gotcha. Um, liver or alcohol people kind of know is processed through the liver. So, and it's a, it's a toxin. So it's metabolized through the liver with a little bit through the stomach and other organs, um, as it passes through, but majority of it is taken care of in the liver. Alcohol is ethanol and it's absorbed into the bloodstream through the GI tract um, 
in the liver, you have alcohol dehydrogenase, which um, we say ADH, which converts the ethanol into acetaldehyde, which is a toxic substance. So that acetaldehyde is then metabolized again by another enzyme, aldehyde dehydrogenase, into acetate. So it goes alcohol to acetaldehyde um, to aldehyde dehydrogenase to ethanol. Um, which is not not as toxic, less harmful. Um, and that gets broken down into just water and carbon dioxide. Um, and the interesting thing is you see people who um, flush with alcohol, who get really red cheeks, who flush. Um, sometimes they get warm when they drink. And it's because of certain like deficiencies in these enzymes that break it down. Um, so you can kind of tell in certain people if they say they always get like red when they have a glass of wine. Um, but then still, when some people have like different tolerance levels, um, it just can metabolize at different rates in different people because of the uh, action of these enzymes. Gotcha. And is that the reason why, um, you know, basically women are allowed, so to speak, you know, half the amount of alcohol that, that men, let's say. It, 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 that has women, more to more do parts. with um, strictly body mass. Um so the difference in what's recommended for men versus women is the amount um, relative to your body mass. I thought I thought women just had less of one of those um, one of those enzymes, but I'm, the I'm enzymes, mistaken. The enzymes are a little bit different, but a lot of it has to do with um, per body mass. Because if you think about like the effect of alcohol on, like let's say someone has three glasses of wine at 16 years old versus someone who's 300 pounds. Yeah. Um, it's just, it metabolizes in a very different way because of body mass. Gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and to, um, to kind of put a bow on that, that alcohol metabolism, uh, discussion that, so that acetate then what I've heard is that, so it's broken down it, it, into water and carbon dioxide um and it it releases energy so it it it's um you know used as a form of energy and a preferential form of energy by our bodies just like glucose would be mm -hmm. that, that's the that's the calorie load in alcohol essentially right yep. so and and what i've heard is you know while acetate is less harmful compound the body still wants to get rid of it so it is going to essentially preferentially use acetate for um, energy uh, which which essentially you know to some extent shut down shuts down glucose or or even fat as an energy source that excess glucose then gets stored that's why you know again drinking can, can be associated with with weight gain right yeah. yep um Okay, so on to the study. So uh, the, 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 the study is called The Association Between Daily Alcohol Intake and Risk of All-Cause Mortality, um, and it's a systematic review and meta-analysis. So this is known, wasn't a new study. Um, it looked at literally 40 years of, uh, of studies from, from January 1980 to July 2021, um, and it, uh, it, it reviewed these, it was a, it was a total of 107 studies in the review, um, that, uh, touched on this issue of alcohol use and 
all-cause mortality. And why is that kind of important that, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could look at, like alcohol use and cardiovascular disease or alcohol use and cancer rates. And, and there are studies out there. What's the significance of the all-cause mortality? Well, I mean, there's there are studies that are linked strictly to alcohol because we know that alcohol is a alcohol use is a risk factor for cancer because there's been plenty of studies that have shown that Mm -hmm. specifically, and there's plenty of studies on these specifics on cardiovascular disease um, and alcohol use. Um, So the benefit of this is we can include all of those studies because we're talking about all cause mortality, meaning you know, mortality, death from any cause. Um, if we were just saying we're looking strictly at the effect of alcohol and cancer, you'd be much more limited to how many studies you're able to do a meta-analysis on. This is just strictly how um, how bad is alcohol, daily alcohol intake for death by any cause. Because that's ultimately what we care about, right? At an individual level, we just care about dying. Are we going to die from something? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, so when it comes down to that person, that person, it doesn't really matter if it's, you know, well, it's not going to give you cancer as much, but it's going to give you a heart attack. You know, that person, it doesn't really matter. It just matters if you're, does it increase my risk of dying? Gotcha. Right. So, and, and it, uh, you know, it, it is significant that um, within those 107 studies they looked at, they were almost 5 million total participants. Right. So that's a, that's a, that's a big cohort. You a six, so not all studies are created equal by any means. We've talked about that before, but the N is the number of essentially like the number of participants we'll say. Um, and the higher the N, the more um, reliable the data, the better the data overall, the better the results are as far as like, can we trust this? So that is a huge N, um, yep. which yep. leads to a significant power to the study. And within those almost 5 million participants, they recorded 425,000 deaths. So, um, you know, a, a, a fair number of those as well. Yep. Yep. So in terms of the, the, the issue of, you know, reduced risk of all cause mortality, um, Obviously, they 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 found there was no significant reduced risk um, right. at at, uh, at any volume, but particularly with with even low volume um, drinkers yeah. compared with lifetime non-drinkers. Yeah. So completely debunked that that side of the equation with um, with a great amount of statistical significance. Right. So. It wasn't even just like, oh, it just barely made, made the cutoff. It was very clear. It was not not up for debate, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then additionally, there was increased risk of all-cause mortality amongst drinkers who drank 25 to 44 grams per day. Um, and then, but they said it wasn't significantly, statistically significant, but it, it was there to some yeah. extent, um, but a significantly increased risk for drinkers who drank 45 to 64 grams or 65, obviously 65 or more grams per day. Um, and I think an average drink might, might have 14 grams of alcohol in it. Um, you know, like a five ounce glass of wine. Right. Um, so we're talking, 
you I know, think it's a four ounce glass of wine, isn't it? Five, I think is the standard. <laughs> <Okay>. I think <laughs> it's yeah, five standard. Five is not much. Right? I know. Oh, I know. It's not, I know it's not. Five ounces is not what you would get in a typical pour at a restaurant. Right. You, you, you typically you're going to get six, seven, even eight um, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think six is the average in a, in a, in a restaurant. Um, so we're talking, you know, one and a half to two and a half drinks per day. You get a non-significantly increased risk anywhere from three to four to five, then definitely yeah. um, higher risk. And then obviously much, much more. Um, and then it, they also noted there were significantly larger risks of mortality among female drinkers compared with female lifetime non-drinkers, just yep. flat out. So yep. kind of, um, again, puts an emphasis on it for women. Yep. So, but also men. <laughs> also men, right. But but particular apologies to, to all the, the women out there who, <laughs> Or enjoy yeah. their glass of white wine yeah. or or three at the end of the day. Or, I will say it's so we are creatures of habit. So you do what you continue to do. And it feels like it would be so crazy to imagine not drinking or cutting back significantly, you know, because you drink a couple glasses of wine every night because that's what you've done for years and years and years. But once you stop, like you you have the ability to cut back or change a habit and it's hard at first. And if you do it long enough, it's consistency is like the, the key to success in everything. You look back a year later and think, I can't believe I used to drink every day because exactly. your brain rewires. You're just, you, it, it honestly is, it's not something where you're going to be like craving it every night for the rest of your life. You will get over that. Like, feeling and it's an addiction um like a behavioral type of addiction behavior it's a addiction to the alcohol itself um, but it's just like anything else um you we do what we continue to do so yeah, the cycle can be broken but let's talk about this so if the, if someone uh, wants to break that cycle but finds they can't on right. their own yes um that is one of the telltale signs that you probably, you know, um, need help. It, and depending on, depending on the amount that someone is drinking, also understand you always talk to your doctor because alcohol withdrawal, so abrupt cessation of alcohol, depending on how heavy use is, and we're talking about people who have obviously a longer-term alcohol problem, can be life-threatening. So some addictions, when you stop cold turkey or whatever, significantly decrease, that's gonna, it might, you might feel it, but it's not life threats. Alcohol cessation can be. So just keep that in mind and always talk to your doctor. Always talk to your doctor. And there are other resources. I think we need to mention it because your brother, my, my son, um, works for an organization called Lion Rock Recovery, which offers substance use disorder telehealth treatment services. Uh, right. And, and, really do a, a, a tremendous job um, you know it's it it, it um, I think is very difficult for 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 folks either you know themselves or if they're dealing with a, a friend or a loved one and and, and they want to help them out um, you know if you google alcohol addiction or any sort of addiction yeah. online 
what you get, you're inundated by these marketing pitches. Yeah. A lot of them for very expensive inpatient residential facilities that may run twenty-five dollars to $35,000 a month. Um, and obviously they're after either your money or your insurer's money. Right. Or both. Um, and it's really tough uh, because obviously people are, are, you know, can be desperate at that, at that point. So um, I definitely recommend that, that they check out Lion Rock, both because it's much less expensive than the, the residential treatment facilities. It has great efficacy. So very effective, mm-hmm. as effective, if not more, because their program runs for a lot longer time. Usually a right. typical patient, um, journey is um, like six months. Um, if, if that, I mean, we're talking usually detox and maybe a rehab stint for 30 days. Right, right. Well, that, that's but there's a six months versus, versus Lion Rocket at, at, yeah, at six months. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way to truly be successful is to be able to be in some kind of environment where you're stretching out the, the therapy and the access to addiction recovery, you know, resources, because well, 30 I mean, days won't cut it. It's not, it's not going to do it. And, but, you know, so, so one problem is most people can't just disengage from their life for 30 days and go, go to a residential facility. So the, the great yeah. thing is with Lion Rock, you can do it from your house. You can continue to work. Um, they have a lot of different schedules there. Um, they, 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 the, the initial um, first you know, two to three months of treatment is what they call uh, intensive outpatient um, treatment, which yeah. basically consists of um, one one hour individual therapy session per week um, and um, nine group one hour group sessions a week. So it's ten yeah. hour, ten hours a week during that period of time, and then it's it steps down um, after that. So again, yeah, very effective. Um, so I think we've covered that quite well. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we've, uh, if there are any, anybody left out there with, uh, with the notion that alcohol was actually beneficial, we've, uh, we've cured them of that misconception. And I, I hope people already know this, like they, people's, oh, I just, it's the only way I can get to sleep and it helps me sleep. It's horrible for sleep. Even if you feel like it makes you drowsy to fall asleep, your sleep you're getting is crap. Um, Cause I hear that one a lot. Like I have to do it to, to fall asleep. Um, and you don't. Right. It, it messes, uh, it messes with your, with, with the, the, uh, the quality of sleep, the quality of your REM sleep. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I can testify. (laughs) Okay, doctor, you get back to your, uh, your busy day. All right. Okay. Take care. Love you. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute 
for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.